the evidence of things not seen. Then skipping down to verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Thank you for standing in honor to the word of the Lord. Before we're seated, let's raise our hands one more time. God, have your way in this service, God. Lord, speak through me. I'm but a mirror, God. Reflect your glory to your people, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for it right now, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in this service and in our worship service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. The Lord has given me a burden this morning, and I, I hope to help someone. I want to talk to us for a few moments about everyday faith. Everyday faith. Before we can use something correctly or appropriately, and some of this is going to be reviewed for us. But before you can use something correctly, you have to understand how it works. How many of you have ever seen someone doing something and you immediately knew they don't have a clue what they're doing? <laughs> All right? All right. So there two or three situations just popped in your head. Uh, and I'll tell you a couple of me. Um when I was young, learning to drive a standard transmission, the one with the stick, with the extra pedal, we needed an extra pedal for something, you don't even have to know how to drive a standard. If you was riding with me, you knew I did not have a clue what I was doing. About the third or fourth time, you got slung into the dash, you'd say, well, Brother Aaron, he may not really understand all the, the details about how this works. <laughs> My brother, I want to tell off of my brother, he was asked to back up a truck that was a standard transmission. He got in it, cranked it up, and for us that know, it was a three on the tree. So you had to press the clutch, push it all the way up, and you just can't see over the dash, right? So then he, he goes down, mashes the gas, but not enough. He dumps the clutch, he jumps back about six inches, and it dies. He pops up and looks, and it was my grandpa's truck. He said, give it some gas, son. So he cranked her back up with the clutch, and he disappeared. And the clutch was at the floor, and then the gas was at the floor. <laughs> he dumped the clutch, and he took off like he <laughs> was about to run a quarter in reverse, all right? <laughs> He finally got it shut down, but he didn't understand what he was doing, right? He didn't, he didn't really know. He had seen people drive a standard. I had too, but it's a lot different when you're the one in the driver's seat. If you see Brother Aaron standing at a stove, you can go ahead and write it down. He doesn't really know what he's doing. I'm good with an air fryer and a microwave, but all you got to have is about one or two bites, and you'll say, yeah, he, he misread something. His little conversions was off, so he didn't really know what he was doing. Such is the kingdom of God. For us to use something effectively, and in this case, we're talking about faith. For us to use faith, 
faith effectively. We have to understand what faith is. We have to understand what faith is not. Okay? Faith. Let's talk about what faith is not. Faith is not simply a passive belief or mental acknowledgement of something. That's what faith is not. And going back, I think we, a lot of times, we give people a lot more credit for their knowledge of Scripture than what we think. Uh, not on purpose, but I mean, you've ever heard a preacher talking, they'll say, and everybody, you know the story of David, and you're like, I don't remember that part that he's talking about, you know, or, you know, the story's going through, and then, and we all know how that ended. Well, no, really, we all didn't, and I for sure didn't at six years old know any of the stories whenever we got in church. We tend to take concepts that we hear while we're in church, like faith, and we'll parrot them. We know that that's a part of what we believe. We understand that that's an ingredient for getting the Holy Ghost. And a lot of times we hear stuff that sounds good, and we'll just we'll just spout it out. I'll be honest with you, there was a point in my life where if I would have had the courage to be praying for someone, and I said, just have some faith, brother. And they turned around and said, how do you do that? I'd say, I don't know. It just sounded like the right thing to say at the time. I was raised in church. We got in church about six, so I'm probably more guilty than most. Um, thinking back, I remember hearing those preachers and then people at the altar saying, just have faith, or brother, we'll bind together in faith, and God will take care of this. And I knew that that was important. I, as a kid, I figured I warned that everybody was talking about having it. I don't know what to do to get it. I don't know what it is, but um, I felt like it was something that we needed, right? Fast forward about two years and at the age of eight, I received the Holy Ghost. I learned that faith was a required ingredient for the Holy Ghost. And that the Bible tells you that if you repent and you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. I believed when the Bible told me that if you repented and you sought God, that you would receive the Holy Ghost. And I did. In the year 1999... God filled a little eight-year-old boy with the Holy Ghost over on the campground. Obviously, at eight years old, we don't have everything put together, and I was no exception. But my understanding of faith grew, and my understanding of what it meant to believe. But faith that day in 1999 was not just me acknowledging that God could fill me with the Holy Ghost. Faith was not just me believing that what the Scripture said is true. Yes, I believe what the Bible says. But there was an action that was coupled with that belief. So as my understanding increased, I understood that believing as defined in the Bible is not the same that the world defines belief. Belief is comprised of two components. It's comprised of your acknowledgement. Something happens in the head. I agree. I understand this. Yes, this is true. It is comprised of acknowledgement and action. When the Bible talks about believing, there is an expectation that there's some action involved. If I have a fire built on the platform and I say, there's a fire, let's get out. The ones who believe what I'm saying are going to 
have something. They're not going to sit there. They're going to do something about what they see, what they believe. The world tells us that you can believe, but you don't have to have actions that prove your belief. The Bible treats that as inseparable. But the world tells us that we can simply believe in Jesus, but we don't have to change our actions. We don't have to change the way that we live our life. And you can be saved. And we know as a church full of apostolic oneness believers that that's not true. Because if you believe in what the Bible says, if you believe on Jesus, then you're going to do what the Bible says. You're going to repent of your sins. And then you're going to go down in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And then you receive the Holy Ghost. Evidence was speaking in other tongues. There's action coupled with your belief. James chapter 2 tells us that faith without works is dead. So when we understand that faith is more than passive belief, what the world tells us belief is, and that it, it's more than just acknowledging that it's something that's true, and it requires action. That puts us in a position to understand what faith really is. What faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, please. The Bible tells us, again, this was our scripture text. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word faith, if faith and believing, I've had it explained to me that faith is just believing. If faith and believing is the same thing, then you can use either word where you see one or the other, right? So if we was to replace believing, as defined in the Bible, not, not the world's belief, but acknowledgement and action. If we was to replace the word faith with believing, say now believing is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and that's incorrect. We know that even just reading it, there's something more to it than just believing. When we use the biblical definition of believing, it still does not fully replace the word faith in this scripture. It's kind of like a puzzle piece that almost fits. It looks like it fits, but it doesn't lay flat. There's something else, there's some other component that we don't have that's beyond just believing. And I'm talking believing as defined by the Bible. If you study this word faith used here in the Greek, that word is used, again, it means the biblical belief. It means action with along with what you believe, what you trust in, what you understand to be true. But this word is also interchangeable with assurance and belief. So faith, assurance, and belief, okay? But this word is not a word that stands alone. It's got a root word called pytho. And this means to rely by an inward certainty or to reflexively agree and obey. That's what the root word of the word used here for faith is. To have an inward certainty and to reflexively agree and obey. So this word that we, we got our English word faith from. It's trust and confidence that does not rely on proof. It's an automatic and reflexive belief. Therefore, faith, as described in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the faith that we see in this scripture, 
It's biblical belief. That part's correct. But it's under a certain condition. Faith is biblical belief in the absence of evidence. That's what faith is. Faith is biblical belief. Believing coupled with action. But it happens even in the absence of evidence. On the surface, me saying that, believing something in the absence of proof, that sounds ridiculous. That sounds preposterous. The world even has a word for this. It's called naive. If you're not talking about a child and you're talking about an adult, the word naive has a negative connotation to it. It means that someone, as defined by the dictionary, is not knowledgeable in the ways of the world. That's the definition of naive. You're not knowledgeable in the ways of the world. In what ways is this talking about? We know this is talking about the lies, the trickery, the things that you have to guard yourself against because people will take advantage of you. This is true. This is 100% true. If you're talking about the words of man, but this does not apply to this book right here. The word of God is true. It is always true. It has always been true. It will always be true. You cannot approach the Word of God the way you approach the Word of man. The Bible tells us that all the promises of God are yea and amen. Psalm 119, 160 tells us, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth to the end, forever. Believing that God will work in that situation on your job, even when you don't see evidence that there's something happening, even if the evidence that you see is pointing to the contrary, that it's getting worse, but you believe that God can work on your behalf, that is faith. That's what faith is. When you're on your knees at night, and you're crying for that lost loved one, that lost child, and all you can see is them running in the opposite direction as hard as they can. What you're seeing with your eyes doesn't match up, but you have faith. You believe that God is true, that God is good, that he will work out that situation. Our God is faithful. He is reliable. We can rely on the word of God. He has never, he has never let me down. If you need a personal testimony, Brother Aaron will stand right here and tell you, my God has never failed me. You know who's tripped up? Brother Aaron has. But God has never, never in these 32 years of my life failed me. I know. I know from experience I can trust in what God tells me. I can trust what's in this book because God said it. Believing God and living your life like he's already answered every prayer, even when you can't see it, that's what faith is. I have an illustration because mine is a bit humorous, as most of mine tend to be, when they involve my children especially. One day I was at the house and I was working, and they ran up to me, Daddy, 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 can we have a pizza? Sure, that's one of the six things that I can cook. I got you. Yes, sir. 
I will go get the oven preheating right now. Got up, went, got the oven preheating. And before the oven was even preheated, I had been asked multiple times by both children, Daddy, can we have a pizza? I already said, yes, you can. Daddy, when the pizza's going to be done? Daddy, I want some pizza. Can I have some pizza? I knew that in the next 17 minutes, there was going to be sitting in front of a plate of pizza. It was as good as done. I had already started the process of answering the request, but they couldn't see that process. They wasn't aware of everything that was going on. So to them, they were standing still. They wasn't getting any closer to their goal of having pizza. And it would have been just as appropriate for them if whenever I said, yes, I sure will get you some pizza. I'm going to go get the oven started. They could have said right then, thank you, Daddy, for the pizza. It was as good as done. I had already started the process. Such is life. It's difficult at times when you're on the inside of a process and you feel like you're not going anywhere. But God has given you a word. I'm here to encourage someone and tell someone, if God said it, it's as good as done. You can go ahead and thank him right now for it because it's going to happen. He's already given his word, and he is not a man that he should lie. If God said it, I believe it, and I'm going to live my life not wishing and hoping and praying that it's going to happen. I'm going to live my life rejoicing and thankful because it's as good as done whenever God tells us. Hallelujah, Jesus. God has the answer to every problem before we even know we've got a problem coming down the road. We understand now. I'm taking y'all on my journey of learning about faith. Like I said, I'm sure a lot of y'all are already a lot further along. Biblical belief, we understand, is acknowledgement and action. That's what biblical belief is. And faith is that biblical belief in the absence of evidence. Okay? But why is this necessary? Okay? Yes, it's good. Yes, we get excited about it and we talk about faith. But why is this required of a child of God? Because faith will produce the work of God in your life. And you cannot have the work of God in your life in the absence of faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us that, But without faith it is impossible to please him. When we read the faith chapter in Hebrews, we find that every individual that it tells us, they faced a situation that they never had an example for, they never had a precedent, and they did not have proof available that what they was asked to believe in or what they was believing in could even happen. But they believed anyway. That believing anyway is what the Bible calls faith. They believed God in the absence of evidence, and they was able to see him work the miraculous. Hebrews 11, verse 4, tells us, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Nobody at this point, 
in the scripture had ever offered a sacrifice to God of the human race. But by faith, Abel did. He offered a righteous sacrifice by faith. 11 and 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How do we please God? You can't do it without faith. So he had faith. Enoch, nobody had ever been translated at this point, but Enoch was by faith. Verse 6 tells us that by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Nobody had ever seen a flood. Nobody had ever even seen rain. And nobody had ever survived this event on the face of the earth. But by faith, Noah did. Verse 8 tells us that by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. He didn't know where he was going. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Nobody had ever been asked, and nobody had ever stepped out on nothing but a word from God. Did not know where they was going. That had never happened before. There was no example Abraham could look at and say, well, God did it here so he can do it for me. Nope. But by faith, Abraham did step out on a word from the Lord. Sarah. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. No one ever in this situation, no one ever at this age had delivered a child. There was no example she could point to, but by faith, by faith in God and the word that he told her, she was able to conceive that promise without faith you cannot do the work of the works of God in your life faith produces the work and the fruit of God in your life James 1 and 3 tells us that the trying of your faith worketh patience does anyone know what patience is long suffering it's the fruit of the spirit when we inspect and we ask ourselves do we have faith What does it look like? What does faith look like to an outside observer in the child of God? The Bible tells us in Romans 12 and 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure of faith. Everyone starts out on the same footing with their faith. Everyone has the same amount of faith getting started. But it's our responsibility to exercise and develop that faith. It's like exercising a muscle. If you have an Olympic weightlifter and then someone who does it as a hobby, 
in middle school. They can be born on the same day, with the same weight, the same height. They can be identical twins. We'll say they're twins. You can visit these two individuals 30 years from their birth, and you're going to see a difference in their muscle mass because, one, their whole year, the whole life, has exercised and developed their muscles, and the other ones only did it as a hobby. They didn't exercise the same thing that they was both given to the same extent. The more frequently and often that we use our faith, the stronger it becomes. You can say it like this. The more we use our faith, the more our faith accomplishes. Our scripture text tells us that faith, again, Hebrews 11 and 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is called both a substance and an evidence. That is something that can be seen by an outside observer, if it's evidence, if it's a substance. So it's something that someone not familiar with any situation going on, you know, somebody could look and say, this person has faith, I'm not pointing at anyone. This person has faith. This person does not have faith. What is that? What's that that, that can be seen about our faith? Faith is evidence, and it looks a certain way in a child of God's life. Let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like Brother Tipton standing up here. At men's conference. Diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer. But he has not charged God falsely. He is still standing and declaring the glory of God Almighty. That is faith. Faith looks like going to the store. But still stopping and witnessing to the person that the world has written off. The person that you wouldn't think would have anything to do with God because we judge on external appearances. We're not the one who chooses who is in God's kingdom. Whenever you refuse, I'm talking about myself because I get all tongue-tied. I understand, but whenever, whenever you do not witness to someone or you only witness to certain people or only certain types of people, you're telling God these are the only ones that you can allow in the kingdom. That's not the way God has it. This is not our kingdom. This is God's kingdom. And whenever we're prompted by the Holy Ghost through our daily walk in faith to witness to someone, it's not up to us to decide if they deserve a chance, if it looks like that they will take that chance that God is offering them because we're instruments and vessels of God's kingdom. We are witnesses in light. We're the body of Christ. Would Jesus stop and talk to that person? Way more, 100% more than Brother Aaron probably would. Yes, that's something that we need to exercise with our faith, our everyday faith. Everyday faith is a persistent, consistent walk with God where we perform his will regardless of the circumstances surrounding us. It's not a start or stop. Today I'm going to give it 50%. Tomorrow I'm probably feeling better, so I'm going to give it 100%. It's a day in, day out, living for God, no matter what the doctor says. 
no matter what the enemy throws our way, no matter how bad the situation looks, it is living your life every day like God has already answered it and he's already provided the answer. It's an everyday faith. Not every day is in common, but every day is in you don't miss a day. Every day is in I can't go a day without God. I can't go a day without living in the faith of what my God can do for me. I'm thankful today that I know in whom I can put my trust. As a child of God, we should consistently have faith that results in doing the will of God every day. Everyday faith is living with the assurance of God's promises, even if you haven't gotten them yet. Even if there's no evidence that God's working on your behalf. Let's all stand right now, please. It's like the song says, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Let's love the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that we can trust in you. We can live our lives with the assurance, God that you will hold up your end of the bargain. Brother Black, I'd like to ask you to step up, please. When preparing this message, the Lord told me, I'll handle the closing. Brother Aaron likes to be in control. I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and write one out anyway. And last night, while I was praying, the Lord showed me a picture of you, Brother Black, standing right here. And we was praying. You were standing in for Brother Tipton. And we was exercising our faith on behalf of our brother in Christ. I would like to ask every brother, if you don't mind, let's step up here. Brother Black, we're going to anoint you with oil, and you're going to stand in for Brother Tipton. And we're going to exercise our faith that God is going to work on behalf of this situation. Lord, we thank you right now, God. Lord, right now, God, as we bind our faith together for you, Lord, reach out right now to our brother, God. Oh, we rebuke that sickness, Lord. We rebuke that disease in the name that is above every name. Let's love the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. Your word says you suffered stripes for our healing.
Lord, Hallelujah.